0: Jacob and Kat are both starting school sometime soon. My children are starting school next week. Seems really early. Well, a week from, two weeks from yesterday. A week and a half. <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? They moved it up a whole week. That would be bad. I, am, I have mixed emotions about them going back to school. I'll leave it at that, because they're in the room. Um, Kaylee, did you enjoy worship? We sang your song. So the song Spirit Move, Kaylee's been requesting constantly, because it was a song we played for Andrew's baptism. Andrew was baptized about a month ago, up north in the Baptism River. And we played that song. And we went back to the Baptism River yesterday, right, to remember his baptism. And he swam around for an hour. And that's where the analogy breaks down because then like, you go back into death and then come back, which doesn't work. But but that's okay. Martin Luther said every time he washed his face he remembered his baptism, so it works to go swim in the river you were baptized in. Um, You definitely are going to need a Bible because, holy cow, we're doing a lot of verses tonight. This is going to be like... It is crazy. It never happens every week. Um, if you need a paper Bible, there's a couple behind there. There's a few more up here if you like old school like, paper stuff. Otherwise, obviously, you probably all have them on your phone. Um, these, these first half a dozen verses, I'm sort of going to just rattle off. Um, the review from last week, for those of you who were here with us last week, um, I'm going to start off with this, actually. Deuteronomy five 5.33, you've all probably heard this verse. Deuteronomy 5.33, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has said to you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And so that's the verse that Bible teachers like to use all the time for, listen and obey what God says, i.e. this book, <laughs> because then your life will be better, which is true, right? That's true. And so that's why I'm going to read all these verses to you in, the, in their entirety. Sometimes I just reference a verse for those taking notes, like look up Ephesians 4 if you want to hear more of this. But sometimes it's good to just get a lot of Bible read at us or listen to it. And so if you want to look them up, go ahead and look them up and follow them along. If you're a note taker, you could just jot down the reference and like sit and listen. Sometimes it's good to listen to the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So that can be good too. All right, who can tell us what we talked about last week? It would have to be probably someone who was here. The grace of God, yeah, it was, we talked about grace. Saints and sinners, yes, I had, a, I had a visual aid t-shirt that said saints and sinners, which I wore it last week, so I didn't wear it again, and I hadn't washed it, so that would have been even worse. Um, so it would have been anointed, have been anointed yes. Uh, we are... We used to be sinners, and now we're saints, right, because of the grace of God. Now, we still sin, most of us, (laughs) all of us this morning probably, but that is not our identity anymore. Our identity is no longer that of sinners. Our identity is that of saints, and that's what we talked about last week. We talked about that there is no longer any separation between us and God because of our sin because Jesus took care of that on the cross. And here's a few verses that we went over last time just to reinforce that. 2 Corinthians 5:21 For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that's the Bible in a really tiny nutshell of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We've been made right with God, made righteous. We've been reconciled to him. There isn't any separation anymore because we've been made right. We're not people who are trying to get right with God. We're people who have been made right with God, if we are in Christ. Amen? Sometimes we get a little messed up in our heads with religious stuff that we've heard or that we've been taught over the years, where we're constantly struggling and constantly trying to win God's approval, or win his love, or win his affection, or get right with him somehow. And the Bible is clear over and over and over, and we're going to read a lot of these, that that's already been done. That's what the cross was about. The cross worked like really well turns out the cross was super successful and Jesus actually succeeded in what he was trying to do which was to make a way for us to be with him period Ephesians 2.13 but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ now that verse in that context is probably talking specifically about Gentiles which would be probably all of us in this room Um, but it's true with everybody because we were all far off from God, and now we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the only way, right? I am the way, of the truth, and the life. So Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there isn't any separation anymore between us and God because of our sin. Amen? Jesus took care of that on the cross. And so what happens now when we sin though? Because we do still sin even if that's not our identity as Nate says, we're saints and not sinners we still like mess up. So how does that work? Well, it's very simple. When we mess up, we repent. And repent just means to turn back to Jesus. That's what the word literally means, to turn back. So when we make a mistake, when we screw up, whether it's intentionally, accidentally, whatever, we just I'm sorry, God, and we turn back to God, which is the point. We don't turn inward, inward to ourselves and say, Oh, I'm such a terrible person. Oh, I messed up again. Why can't I get this right? Why do I suck so much? Why am I such a terrible person? I'm never going to do it. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve anything from Him. Which is what we tend to do, as, as humans. Amen. Anybody with me? Anybody been there? Cause I like lived there for a really long time. And that's not God's will for us, is to turn inward and focus on ourselves and how terrible we are and yada, yada, yada. Our point, God's intention for us, is to turn back towards Jesus and keep walking towards him. And because of that, Romans 8, 1 through 4. Again, now this is talking about our new identity, our true self versus the old self that is now dead. So now there is no condemnation. For our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. So again he's talking about this is how we used to be and this is how we are. Right? We used to be sinners. We used to have the sinful nature that we followed. But now we're something else. God has bought us for, with a price and we're not condemned anymore. We're something else. We have a new nature. And he expands that in Ephesians 4. 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. And by Gentiles, he doesn't mean people who weren't born ethnically Jewish. He's talking about like pagans, you know, non Okay, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Now, I... <laughs> Parathetically, I just want to insert—he's talking to the church here. This is not how you talk to or about non-Christians when you're with non-Christians, right? You're so confused. You're hopeless. You give in to your passions and your lusts. I mean, like that's—that's that's like not how we talk to you. That's not very loving, right? You all know that, right? But he's talking to the church here about this is how you used to be. Remember? Okay, great. Just, just want to say that because um, we want to. We want to love everybody and and win them in through the kindness of God, not because we've made them feel so terrible. Okay. They have no sense of honor. They live for the lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have learned about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So again, it talks about the old self, the sinful self. Let that be dead. Let it stay dead. And that's the image of baptism. As we die, we we were placed in Christ on the cross, and we die with him, and then we're raised to new life with him. And the Bible says, Behold, all things have been made new. You are a new creation. He created something new in you. So we're not the old, dead, sinful self. And the problem is we still live that way sometimes. We live like our old selves. And that's when we have the sin issues and the problems with all that kind of stuff. And Paul's saying, yeah, let's not do that anymore. Instead, pick up your new self, the new nature that God has given you, because that's who you really are. And we need to actively do that. We don't just sit around being like, I guess I'm never going to sin anymore. And we just sit there, and then it happens. He's saying, put on, like there's an active aspect to this, okay? Put on your new nature, which um, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Truly righteous and holy. Your new nature is truly righteous and truly holy. Not a sinner anymore, a saint. This is a big deal, okay? And we can live this way. We can live out of our new nature um, instead of our old. And Sarah read this one last week, Titus 3, 1 through 7. Um, Actually, let's start at four. Um, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. It's a very similar thing. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth Again, that's the baptism reference there. Giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so that, again, talks about setting aside the old nature, picking up the new nature. And so what is this new nature? What is this new self? Who has God made us to be? If we're a new creation, what does that mean? Well, not a sinner, for one thing. But what else? What, what's the big deal? Well, we know we're children of God. He has adopted us as his children. And at the end of Titus there, it gives us a hint at something more. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And he talks about that again in Romans 8. This will be the last one in the verse marathon. And then we'll take a quick break. Uh, Romans 8. 15 through 17. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit, and he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So it starts out super exciting and ends a little like, ooh, I don't like that suffering part. Okay, so what's that saying? We've been adopted into God's family. We understand that. That's what salvation is about, right? He's adopted us as his children. So being a child of God, understanding the love of our Father, is probably the first big step that we make in this new life that God has given us. Understanding what it means to be a child. But we're not just children, we're heirs. Um, In the ancient world, not all children were heirs. They they often had really big families. And they'd usually pick one person to be their heir. Occasionally, it would be a couple, and they'd split up the inheritance. But usually, it'd be one person. And the rest of the kids is like, good luck. Go get a job, or whatever. right? Um, Or hope your older brother's super nice and will take you on and let you stay. But not all children were heirs. And it was very rare for an adopted child to be an heir. Very, very rare. Okay. And this verse says, God adopted us as his children and he made us heirs. Uh, The end of the the passage. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So Jesus is the firstborn son of God, right? According to that um, metaphor of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so it says, we are joint heirs, like we are heirs with Jesus. Now think about that for a second. Now, what's an heir? What does an heir mean? Oh, somebody read the board. (laughs) Yes, I I did write that on the whiteboard. Um, So an heir is somebody who inherits something from their parents, usually their dad, but their parents in general. Um, And the typical definition of an heir is someone who inherits land, property, and or title from his or her father. So you inherit land, property, title. And so if we are heirs with Christ to God, That means we inherit that stuff. That's what an heir means. That's why Paul wants wants to make it clear that you're an heir. You have an inheritance with Christ. Now we're talking about Jesus Christ here, okay? Like, the guy who created the earth, according to John chapter 1. Jesus created everything. And we are now heirs with him for everything. Like, what? How did we pull that off? Right, well, we didn't, obviously. God said, this is going to be awesome, I'm going to take these sinners and I'm going to save them and make them my kids. And not only that, I'm going to give them everything in the universe. Because that's God's desire for us. Not to live in our heads like we're still slaves, but to live like we're saints, like we're children, like we're heirs. And if you're an heir to a king, what are you? Royalty. Royalty. You're a princess if you're an heir to the king. You're a prince if you're an heir to the king. That's what it means, right, to be an heir. So Paul says we are heirs together with Christ of God's glory. And so we are people who inherit God's stuff. We inherit specifically his land, his property, and his title. Now, it's a little different than human heirs in the sense that God's not going to die, right, obviously, Typically, the way inheritance works is you sort of walk into your inheritance during your life, but then you don't fully inherit until the old guy bites it. And then you get the title. You get the land. You get the property, right? And that's not going to happen in this case because God is eternal. He can't die. And so this kind of inheritance is the kind that you sort of step into. Like Prince Charles is the heir to the throne, and he stepped into that inheritance long, long, long ago. And he's been living as a prince for a very long time. And he has a lot of responsibilities and a lot of duties. He's not the king yet, but he is a, he's not just nobody. He's a prince, and that means a lot. Um, and so that's kind of what God has in mind for us. And this isn't just an in heaven thing. It's not just that we're going to die, go to heaven, and then we make it. This is God's intent for us now on Earth. Paul wasn't saying one day you will become an heir once you go to heaven. He says that we are, that's present tense, we are heirs of God's glory together with Christ. So you are a, not just a child, but an heir of God, which means you're a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. That's who you are. That's your new nature. That's your identity. And that has a lot of ramifications. Okay. Before we go there, uh, Ephesians 1.3. I quote this one all the time because it's really important. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense there, has blessed us, past tense, it's already happened, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Through Christ, we have been given every blessing that can be given in the universe. You have 100% of the love of God right now. You have 100% of the spiritual gifts right now. You have 100% of God's favor right now. You have 100% of every gift, every blessing God will ever give you he's already given you in Christ. You already have 100% of all that. And you say, but Nate, then why isn't my life a little bit better (laughs) if I have 100% of the blessings of God? Well, there's a difference between having that and living it out. Walking into it. Does that make sense? There's a difference between the two. Well, I will explain it. Um, So we have that stuff. Andrew, my eight-year-old, wants to understand. Um, That's good. Keep asking questions, buddy. So we have it, but if we don't walk it out, then it's pointless, okay? I, I used an example once of a phone. How many of you have ever gotten a phone? You didn't quite fully know how to use it yet. And maybe a year later, somebody's like, oh, check this out. They do something on your phone, and you're like, whoa, that's fantastic. I could have been doing that this whole time. Like, that is so cool. I had no idea my phone could do that. You had the phone the whole time, but you weren't able to use it to its full potential. You didn't have access to all of it because you didn't understand. You hadn't been taught. You hadn't learned. Everybody with me? That's what it's like with the gifts of God. You've been given everything. You've got the spirit phone. The analogy breaks down. Um, You've got the spirit. Holy Spirit iPhone already, you already have it. He's already given it to you. Life is not about begging God to give you more stuff. He's already given you everything on the cross. Everything is in Jesus, okay? He's already given you everything. So we don't need to beg God for stuff. Please, please, please. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, please teach me how to use what you've given me. Teach me how to walk in the blessings that you've given me. Teach me how to experience the favor that you've already given me. Teach me how to be the princess, the prince that I already am. Because I don't understand fully. I don't know. Teach me how to do that. Teach me how to use my phone. Okay? So that's what it's about. He's given us every spiritual blessing. And so our role is to, to learn how to walk in the truth. And that's a partnership that we do with God. And it's a really, really fun. Lifelong. I think eternity long, actually, thing. I don't think when we die, we know God fully the minute we go to heaven. I think personally that we will continue to get to know God better for eternity. I think 10,000 years after we've been in heaven, we'll know God better, and another 50 years later, better than that, and another 10,000 years later, better than that, because God is infinite, and we can't fully know an infinite God on the third day. Right? I think we're going to continue growing closer to the Lord forever, learning more about him forever, getting to experience everything of who he is forever and ever and ever That's my opinion. Okay, Uh, which That makes heaven sound a lot cooler to me than the whole like, hey, we show up and I guess it's a really long worship service or something and there's food apparently and I don't know, it sounds like boring maybe a little bit. But if it's like, no, 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 no. We get to experience God forever in new and greater ways all the time. That never changes. Our our relationship with God continues to expand forever because God is infinite. That sounds really fun to me. We were talking about that the other day. Okay, um, Galatians 4.1 is pretty much the thesis verse of tonight. Galatians 4.1. Paul's talking about heirs. He's talking about us. Okay? I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a servant, though he is the owner of everything. Okay, An heir is the owner of everything. And Paul's saying that's true. The heir is the owner of everything. But when the heir is a little child, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't actually affect his life. He's basically just a servant when he's a little kid. Even though he's actually the heir and the owner of everything, when he's a little kid, he's basically just a servant. And that's exactly what we're talking about right now. We have been given everything in God. We are heirs of God's land, property, and title. We are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We've been giving every, given every spiritual blessing. But when we're little baby Christians, we're basically just Servants. We have all of that. All of that is true. We are heirs to everything. That's all ours. That's all absolutely true. But we haven't learned to walk into that yet. We haven't grown up into that, you might say. Okay? So there's an aspect of maturity here. And I do not want you to think that as I mature, I earn God's stuff. That's not what I'm saying. It's already yours. We don't earn it. Okay? But as we grow and we mature and we learn to walk with the Lord, we are able to access more and more of what we've already been given. It's like a trust fund. okay? You've all seen that on TV. You probably don't have one. I certainly do not. Um, you, you reach a certain age, and then you have access to that money. And sometimes it's tiered. At 18, you get this much for these purposes. Then at 21, here, and then, okay? It's sort of like that. We've been given this inheritance. We've been given everything but we don't have access to it yet. We get access to it as we grow, as we walk with the Lord. And so Paul is saying an heir is the owner of everything, but when he's a little kid, it doesn't matter. He's just a servant, basically. He's not much different. And so when we're little baby Christians, we're not much different than just a servant of God. That's pretty much our only identity when we're little baby Christians, a servant. But then eventually we learn how to be children, right? Which is God's primary purpose for us, is to learn how to be his kids, He is the father. We are the loved child. And if that's all we ever learned, it was a life well spent. I'm not even joking. That is the most important thing we we need to understand and learn in life, is that he is our father and he loves us. And we never stop learning that. We never stop growing in the truth of that. We never stop growing in the ability to access the love of our father, which is 100% yours already, but you could probably only access a little bit of it right now just like you might have said, God, I give you my whole heart. But if you only have access to 25% of your own heart right now, because the rest is full of crap, and it's full of walls that built up because of hurts you've had in the past, and it's full of all this other stuff, and you don't even have access to all of your own heart, giving God all of your heart really only means giving him the 25% that you have access to. And so then three years later, God might say, I want you to give me your whole heart. And you're like, I did that before. What are you talking about, God? And he's like, yeah, but there's so much more room now in your heart, and I want you to give me that, too. Okay, It's the same thing in reverse, that we have access to more and more of God as we go. And so as we mature and step into this, we walk into our inheritance. The inheritance is already ours, but we can walk into it and learn how to access more of the inheritance that we have. So what is our inheritance specifically? Well, people tend to inherit land and or property and or title. So land is... You know, in, I'm talking the natural now. Let's say my dad were like, you know, a lord or something. Um, that would be cool. And uh, I would get to inherit his stuff. Well, land is land, physical like pieces of earth, right? That's what land means. Property means stuff, stuff that you own. You know, houses and boats and pirate treasure, comic book <coughs> collections, things like that. Um, yes, pirate treasure. That should be one of the things everyone owns. Um, and... So title, obviously, is like a royal title, okay? Most people do not inherit titles from the person they're inheriting from because there are very few titles around these days. But we do because our father is what? A king, the king of kings. And so we will inherit land, property, and title. But what does that mean specifically? Well, the land that we inherit, and this is a whole sermon series. I'm going to do it in three minutes, or try to. Um, the land that we inherit in a spiritual sense, is the kingdom of God, okay? Because God's kingdom isn't physical land, right? It's a spiritual kingdom. But we inherit the kingdom of God. That's the land that we inherit. The property that we inherit, the stuff that God has, that nobody else has, is the power of God. God has power, supernatural ability. Nobody else has that. That's his specific and unique property. But we get to inherit the power of God. And we get to start to walk in that. And um, the title is, you know, God is king. And so a king um, lives in majesty or glory. Those words mean pretty much the same thing, majesty or glory. And so our title is the glory of God. And so we inherit land, property, title, or the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And those three things are things that God owns that the scripture talks about quite a bit, like the end of the Lord's Prayer. To so that, and be the kingdom and the power and the glory. We see that a lot in Scripture, those three things typically put together kingdom, power, and glory. Those are God's stuff, God's possessions. And we get to inherit that. Not at the exclusion of God, we will all, even when we inherit as much as we possibly can, we will still say, To you be the kingdom, power, and glory. Because even a prince is a servant to the king, right? Um, but those are the things we get to inherit. We get to inherit his kingdom, his power, and his glory. And um, we saw that actually in the verse that we read. Um, the, yeah, Romans 8. Um, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Um, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so how do we actually inherit this stuff? The kingdom of God, the power of God, and the glory of God. How do we actually inherit it? Like We have it, but how do we get it? How do we like have it in the sense that we use it and can live in it and enjoy it and all that kind of good stuff? Um, I'm going to do this really simply. We inherit the land or the kingdom of God through humility. We inherit the kingdom of God through humility. The Bible talks about this all the time. Luke 6.20, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. So the poor in spirit, the humble, inherit the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus says many times, unless you become like a small child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, Small child, that childlike, that humble kind of faith that's just very humble and just trusts, you know, kind of without asking questions. Most kids do. Not all kids do that. Um, Some kids are born questioning. And on day one, look at you like, I have a picture of you, buddy boy, looking at me going, I don't know. Um, And so we inherit the kingdom of God through humility. And as we walk in humility, as we grow in humility, as we allow the Lord to teach us more and more what it means to be humble, what it means to live humbly, we inherit more and more of the kingdom of God. And we get to live in the power and the authority that the kingdom of God represents and what that means. And we can talk about that another time. Um, How do we inherit the property or the power of God? Through faith. Again, we see this all throughout the New Testament. The power of God is accessed through faith. And faith means belief plus obedience, right? It's not just belief. The devil believes in the cross, right? He believes all that stuff happened and is right and is true. But he does not have faith because he doesn't trust in that. He says, yeah, that's true, but I hate it. I hate that guy so bad. Right? Um, and so it's not just belief, it's belief plus obedience. Faith is belief plus obedience, belief plus action. James says faith, faith without action is dead. It's pointless. It's not even faith. Okay? So faith is belief plus obedience. And when we do that, when we walk in faith, we see God demonstrate his power. We access the power of God. And by power, I mean the supernatural stuff of God. Okay, Spiritual gifts, miracles, healing. Um, God, I need a new car, or I need this one to be miraculously fixed, like now, okay? That sort of thing. The supernatural stuff, the power of God, that is part of our inheritance. That's God's stuff, his property. Only he is supernatural in that way. But we get to inherit that. We get to live in that. We get to walk in that. And that happens through faith as we walk out our faith. And I just picked out one verse. There's a billion of them on this, but James 5, 14 and 15. Are any of you sick? you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. and The Lord will make you well, and if you haven't committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So, bonus. Um, so, you need somebody healed? That's supernatural. That's power of God. What do you do? Well, you bring them to the elders and have them pray for him. And in this case, have them pray for the person and anoint them with oil. Okay? Now, why anoint them with oil? Who knows? Yeah, it's, you know, whatever. Sometimes the Bible says things and we don't have to really fully understand why it's true. But the Bible says it. And so if someone's sick, I got a little bit of anointing oil up here. Because you know what? It's in the Bible. So, good stuff. Um, Well, we'll we'll save that one for later. Um, And so we access the power of God through faith. And faith is belief plus obedience. And in this case, the obedience is do what God says right here. If anybody's sick, bring him to the elders of the church. They will pray for him. So that's an act of obedience right there, to pray for someone and anoint them with oil. Um, And there's tons and tons of that throughout scripture. Faith and the supernatural, especially healing, are always connected in the New Testament. Um, That's why Jesus is always saying, do you believe I can do this? And wow, great is your faith and all this kind of stuff. And be it done to you according to your faith is, is said by Jesus many, many times. So faith is how we access the property or the power of God. And the more we allow the Lord to teach us how to live in faith and how to act in faith and how to walk in faith, the more of that supernatural power we will experience of our inheritance here on earth. Um, And finally, the glory of God. How do we inherit that? Um, And that's what I'm going to end with. The glory of God refers to the the title of God, the majesty of God. God is our king, right? He is the king, the only king king of all kings. And so if we want to inherit the title, then we need to own the title that we already are. And if we are the son, the heir of a king, then we're the princess. We're the prince, right? That's who we are. And so in order to start to enter into the glory of God, to experience more of the glory of God in our lives, to be able to let others experience the glory of God around us, we need to do something very, very simple. It's a little hard to grasp in your brain initially, but it's actually super simple. And that is, you simply have to own the fact that you are a prince or a princess. You just have to own it. You're a prince, Levi, just, just so that we're clear. Um, you're a princess, etc. OK, um, that's who you are. That's the reality. That's who you've been made to be, is you are a prince. You are a princess. As you own that. This is who I am. This is who God has made me. I am a child. I am an heir of the king. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. As you own who you are, as you live in your new identity and less in your old, you begin to walk into your inheritance of that title of being a prince or being a princess. And you begin to experience more and more of the glory of God. Because the majesty of the king follows wherever the king goes. And you, if you were really living like the king's kid, I am his princess. I am his prince then more of the glory of God will be evident in your life everywhere you go. Everybody with me? Okay. It's a little hard to grasp at first, because all I'm saying is you don't have to do anything. Like, a prince doesn't have to do anything to be called a prince, typically. Right? I mean, in some weird stories, they have to go on a quest or slay a dragon or something. But typically, they're a prince because they got born to a king, and that's it. Or they got born to another prince or a princess or whatever. They get the title because of who they are, because of who their father is, not because of who they are. right? I didn't earn the title of prince. I earned nothing in and of myself. Jesus earned everything for me. And he has called me an heir of the king. And I'm a joint heir with Christ and an heir of God's glory. That's who I am. That's who I am. And even if I don't act like that all the time, or feel like that all the time, or see that all the time, that's who I truly am. Because the Bible says it's true over and over again. And God never changes. God never changes. So this is true for me. And it's true for you too. And if we can learn to live in and own the truth of who we actually are instead of living like we used to live, living like we used to be, all these verses we read, put off your former self how you used to do all this stuff. Remember all this stuff you do? Still do is what he's really saying. Don't do it anymore. Just don't. Live who you really are. He's not saying... If you ever, ever sin, you're a terrible person. No, no, no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're over that, right? We're over that part. But he's saying, live who you are. Be who you are. He's saying, you guys, you're not yet who you really are. And you should be. You're like little kids, little, little baby heirs, which are pointless. And you're just like a servant because you're just a baby. He's like, we need to grow up. We need to start living who we really are, our real identity, that of a child, an heir of God, a prince, a princess in the world. And very few of us live like a princess or a prince. I'm talking spiritually. Because we're beating ourselves up all the time. Oh, I could never deserve that. Oh, I'm not good enough for that. Blah, 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 blah. But that is pride, actually, is what that's called. Because God says, this is who you are. And so humility agrees with what God says. That's the only definition of humility, to agree with what God says. And so for you to go around saying, I'm a princess, is not pride. It's humility. And it sounds wrong, right? It's like, no, that's, that's pride. But it's not pride because it's the truth of who you are. It's the truth of what God says about you. You are my child. You are my heir. I made you that. Well, sorry. Sorry, CJ. I banged it with my Bible. Um, it was for emphasis. Um, God's like, I made you that. You didn't make yourself that. No one makes their a prince. That's weird. Unless you're a prince. May he rest in peace. Um, and then you change your name anyway, and it's all weird. Um, no, you don't make yourself that. You're a prince or a princess because of who your father is. Okay, It's all God. It's not about you. But we have this weird religious thing that most of us have been taught, and most of us live in all the time, It's called false humility, which is really just pride. And it's to say, oh, I'm not that special. I'm not that important. You're an heir to God, and I'm not. Maybe that guy, he went to like seminary or something. Or maybe she does. She spends a lot of time with the poor and is like super nice. But like, not me. That's not me. I'm not an heir. I'm not really a child. I'm I'm not a prince or a princess. That's not me. But that's false humility because you're saying what God says is wrong. Are with me? Okay, if you say, God, what you said is wrong, that is pride. It's pride. He says, no, you are my child. You are holy. You are righteous. You are loved. You are an heir to my glory, the glory of the King of Kings himself. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And we have to say, yes, we are. I agree with you, God. That is who I am. That is who I really am. Every time we don't, it's pride, and God resists the proud, right? But he gives grace to the humble. God wants us to accept who we are, to accept who he's made us to be, because he's called us to be somebody way up here, and most of us are living way down here, and that's not humility. It's tragedy is what it is, and I don't want anybody in this room to get to heaven and realize I could have been living like that, and I could have by doing that, accomplished all this stuff for you? And instead, I stayed down here? Oh, man. I don't know if there's such a thing as regret in heaven, but a lot of people are going to experience that moment when they realize they were supposed to live up here, and they lived way down here. They were supposed to be a prince, and they lived like a peasant. And that's not the will of God for you, Okay, And I'm not trying to, like, yell at you or anything like that. But if you haven't heard this before or haven't understood the truth of this, I do really want you to get this because this is really, really important. You need to agree with what God says about you. That's what humility means. You agree with what God says about you. And he says you're a prince, you're a princess, and he wants you to live that way. He wants you to walk into work, not like, oh, here I go into the darkness, protect me, Lord. No, he wants you to walk in and say, here I am. It's happening now. God's going to do something today in this workplace because I'm here. And I'm a princess. And a princess has authority and an entourage. And the army at her beck and call should she get in trouble. And that is what you have. Jesus said, I could call down, what is it, like a dozen legions or something like that if I wanted to at any minute. And that is what we have. We have the same inheritance that Jesus had. Jesus said, everything I have, I give to you. He says that, John 15, okay? So you have all of that. Imagine, um, uh, you know, um, what's her name? Kate. Kate Middleton. She was not born a princess. She became one through marriage, through adoption, sort of. Um, when, when the queen marries um, a royal to someone else, she says, I take you as my daughter. Okay, so it's like an, it's an adoption, essentially. Um, so that's a good metaphor for us. Now, if she gets in trouble, is she going to have any help? Uh, Yeah, like all the help that exists in the world, right? If she needs something, do you think her needs are met? Probably before she can speak them out loud. Unless her servants are really terrible, right? Okay? Everything she has, like that's a good picture. The reason Paul uses this picture is because it's a good one. That's who we're called to be. And I don't mean a princess or a prince in the selfish sense And they're like, I'm a prince, do what I say. That's that's not what I said. That's not what I'm talking about. And when Jesus talks about this kind of stuff, he talks about leadership as being servanthood. Remember that? Jesus talking to the disciples, and he said, because they're arguing over who's better, they're letting the pride get the better of them, because they had realized that they were important, that God had called them to something special, And so that's good. They understood their identity. But then they let themselves get a little bit more prideful than they should. And they're like, actually, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I'm his cousin. Whatever. You might be his cousin, but I, you know, talk all the time and put my foot in my mouth and stuff like that. And so they're arguing over who's the best. And Jesus is like, shut up. First of all, if you want to be a leader, then you need to be a servant. That's what it means. And if you want to be the top dog, you have to be basically the slave of everybody else. That's what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. That's what a prince or a princess looks like in the kingdom of God. Sacrifice. Servanthood. And again, that was in our verse, Romans 8, 15 through 17. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And that's, what, that's part of what that's talking about there, is the sacrifice of being a prince or princess, being a leader. It means you can't just be selfish when you walk into your workplace. You have to say, here I am, God, use me. Partner with me as your prince, as your princess, as your representative here in this place of the royal court of heaven. You can't just say, "Uh, I don't want to do it today. And that's where the dying to self comes in. And that's where the suffering comes in to a degree. Is allowing God to do that through us. All right, I'm going to stop here. Anybody have any questions about this stuff? If you haven't ever heard this before, it's probably kind of weird. Any questions? Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um and I want to look back at um Ephesians 4:17 through 24 real quick. It talks about the old nature and the new one. And it says Put off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And so that is how we start to walk into the fact that we have a new destiny. We have a new nature. We have a new life. That of an heir, that of a prince. is by doing this. We allow the spirit to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. Okay, that's Ephesians 4. Romans 12, 12, 2 puts it this way don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the renewing of your mind again this is a mental thing god wants you to think of yourself as a new creation as a child as an heir as a prince or a princess and it's a lot of it is up here and what we think affects our attitude because a lot of us have, you know, sometimes lousy attitudes. Woe is us, oh Christians are so persecuted. Oh, the Supreme Court and the presidential election and oh wow, 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 wow. it's like, no, 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 no. We're not our, our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. We are already victors. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And we are princes and princesses in the only kingdom that really matters, the kingdom of God. We are the winners, not the losers. We're not being oppressed and attacked. We are in the process of advancing. And that's a mental thing. It's an attitude thing. But that's how God wants us to think. Less negative, more positive would be another way to put it. And so we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as we do that, as we are transformed by thinking the way God wants us to think, and um, elsewhere Paul says, you have the mind of Christ. You've been given the mind of Christ. So that's something we have access to. We can start to think more like Jesus thinks. We can start to see ourselves how he sees us. Seriously encourage all of you to ask God for that all the time. Lord, I want to see myself how you see me. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to think the way you think. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. Let the spirit renew your, my thoughts and attitudes. And as we do that, we start to to live out who we really are and we start to live out our inheritance. And it's way cool. So don't think of yourself as a peasant. Think of yourself as a prince. Otherwise, we end up like the Israelites after they left Egypt. You remember those guys? They, they were slaves for like a billion years. And all of a sudden, they're free. They're free. And what do they do? They whine. They complain. And they screw off. And they don't worship God. And they do all this stuff. Why? What is their problem? God finally set up free with like really cool miracles, like frogs and all this stuff. Right? It was pretty neat. What was their problem? Their problem was they were still slaves up here. They were slaves up here. In reality, they were free. In reality, we are heirs, and we've inherited all that stuff from God, but do we still live like our old selves? Do we still live up here like we're slaves to sin? Like we're slaves to our old life? And because they did that, they weren't able to get out of their heads and the mentality of slavery. They all died in the desert. Except for two. Caleb and Joshua said, no, no, no. We're not slaves anymore. We're free. God has called us, and he has set us free. And because of that, they survived, and they made it to the promised land. And that's what God wants us to do, (laughs) to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we don't die in the wilderness because that's not his inheritance for us. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then if anybody has any questions or want any prayer, they can hang out, and we can have a little discussion time. Father God, we just thank you so much that though we deserve nothing at all from you, you adopted us as your children. You chose us. You chose us. You called us by name. You adopted us into your family. And you said, not only are you an adopted kid, you are going to be an heir. I have made you an heir, along with my son Jesus, to everything in my kingdom. Lord, that is mind boggling. It's unbelievable. I would not believe it was true if it weren't all over here, the place here in the Bible. I would think that was just a fantasy, a prideful fantasy, probably, is what I would think. But Lord, it's true. It's what you say in your word. And so, Lord, we want to obey you. We want to live in your truth. We want to believe and live as you say we are. We want to be humble. And Lord, you've called us children. You've called us heirs. You've called us a prince or a princess. And so Lord, help us to live like that. Help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just wash over the minds of everyone here right now and renew our thoughts and attitudes as it says in your word. Renew us, Holy Spirit. Blow through this place. Blow through our minds. Renew us. Help us to see you how we're supposed to see you. Help us to see ourselves how you see us. Because the way you see us is so much more than the way we see ourselves. The way you see us is so incredible. Absolutely astounding. Lord, I, I think that everyone here would be horribly embarrassed if they could see themselves the way you see them. Because you love us so much. And you think so highly of us. Help us to live in true humility and be the people you've called us to be so that together we can change this world and expand your kingdom as you've called us to do. I pray that you bless everyone this week. And for those who need for this message and this concept to go down deep, we pray that you would just plant it in fertile soil and help them to be able to study it in your word, talk about it with friends, pray it through, um, until we start living the truth of who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.